Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is the weekend of January 24th, 2021. It is the third Sunday after Epiphany. And wherever you are, I hope you're doing well. I hope you had a good week. Hope you got to laugh at some Bernie memes and that you're staying healthy and staying away from other human beings as much as you're able to. Uh, We know the virus is still uh, running wild in our country and we just send so much love and prayers to those who are affected and who have been affected lately uh, by the virus or who know friends and family who have been affected. Um, It is just um, still unbelievable that we're almost a year into doing this and uh, there's still so many people that are suffering and uh, the outlook on the, le- the next month uh, is going to, to be pretty dire if any of the scientific predictions are correct. So stay healthy, please. If you need any help, uh, feel free to, to reach out to us. Uh, we are here to, to do whatever we can um, during these hard times. Uh, so like I said, we're in the third week of Epiphany, or technically the third week after Epiphany, and that takes us to the Gospel of Mark, starting in verse 14, going through verse 20, and I will read out of the CEB translation this morning. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee announcing God's good news, saying, now is the time, here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust in this good news. As Jesus passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. After going a little farther, he saw James and John, Zebedee's sons, in their boat repairing fishing nets. At that very moment, he called them. They followed them, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired workers. The word of the Lord. Okay, so last week, we talked about uh, Jesus's interaction and call narrative in the Gospel of John with Nathaniel, And we asked some questions about uh, what constitutes belief and what does it mean uh, to follow Christ and how to believe and follow, how do they work uh, in the life of the disciples and how do we uh, take those words and not only apply them to our lives, but really examine them in a deep way to see if there's something there that could be meaningful uh, when those words are kind of just tossed around a lot. Like people just say, oh yeah, I follow Jesus or uh, you know, even in uh, progressive Christianity or um, new understandings of Christianity, if people are uncomfortable with calling themselves Christian, you'll oftentimes hear, uh, well, I don't like being called a, a Christian, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And so we're trying to ask those questions during the season of Epiphany of what does it really mean to believe and what does it really mean to follow? What is the substance of faith or trust that Jesus calls uh, his followers to live with, both in the Gospels and then how do we, how might we think about that today? So in in John's Gospel, uh, we talked last week about how Nathaniel 
let go of his prejudices. He, he heard that Jesus was from a, a rival town, Nazareth, and he's like, uh, nothing good comes from that place, if you remember that. And, and then he, he's able to let go of whatever preconceived notion he had about where Jesus was from and what that meant. And he ends up calling Jesus the Son of God. So that's quite the shift. And so we're talking about these these life shifts, these moments or these places that our perspective in life is so transformed uh, that we're, we're never the same again. So the season of Epiphany dances around these, what we might call uh, shifts in consciousness, right? Shifts, uh, that might be a, a more modern way to think about this. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but shifts in consciousness. So what happens to us or to others when we wake up to a new realization of ourselves or our place in the universe, the entire cosmos, if, if that's a helpful way to think about it. So in this Mark text, it's a similar calling text. Obviously, it's calling four different people. Uh, in Mark 1, we're given the chance to ask questions through maybe a more familiar kind of call story. Uh, so probably a lot of you know this story, and we know it as the, the fisher of men story, uh, you know, the classic translations, I, I will call you to be fishers of men. And so we're usually, to, that's a text that's pretty commonly uh, referenced in um, Christian circles, a pretty famous text. So Jesus is for context in, in the book of Mark, he's fresh off his own transformative experience in the wilderness. So he's baptized, dove descends down on him, the spirit immediately sends him into the wilderness, he's tempted, and in, it's in these spaces of calling where Jesus uh, comes into his own vocation, uh, who he is to be in the world has come into a fulfillment. And it's something that we've talked about in the, in the Gospel of Mark, but the Gospel of Mark moves incredibly quickly. So it has this kind of, um, it's like a, an intensity that Mark writes with. Everything is suddenly or quickly or now. Uh, if, if you read through the chapter, at least through chapter one, you can already get that impression that uh, Mark has a kind of existential urgency with um, the way he understands Jesus and how he writes about Jesus. So Jesus has this, his own transformative experience, and he is now to embody something in the world um, that is come into its fulfillment. So this is, you can think about, this is an epiphany for Jesus of Nazareth coming into who he is as um, the Son of Man, as his sort of archetypal title. So he comes back into town, uh, to his friends and probably already followers, or like we talked about last week, they could be followers of John the Baptist. So probably knows who um, Simon, Andrew, uh, James, and John are before this, this call scene. And he lets them know that now is the time. Now is the time. Whatever they have been uh, preparing for, talking about, 
Jesus comes back from this wilderness experience and he tells his crew, now is the time. And so perhaps, perhaps uh, they had already been waiting um, for this call, which is, could be an explanation for why uh, they don't even hesitate when Jesus calls them to just drop their nets and go. You know, maybe we could think about they had been training or waiting for this moment, and Jesus uh, now tells what he, you know, t- thinks about his first followers. Okay, it's time. Um, and so maybe we can think about this phrase, um, it's time, or now is the time. Uh, Matthew Skinner, a New Testament professor, notes this about uh, time. He writes, it's the time to move from preparation to action, time to stop hoping for change and to start laboring for it, time to enlist help in a ministry that was about proclaiming repentance, urging people to adopt a new outlook on their world and their place in it. So maybe one question for us this morning is, what is compelling us to act or follow in new ways right now in our lives? What is compelling us to act or to follow in new ways? Jesus's invitation to uh, repentance is what most English translations uh, refer to in this text. Uh, Repent, the good news is uh, among you or the kingdom is coming, repent. But I think the English CEB translation is, um, gets more at what is happening, um, more at the idea of what Jesus is trying to, to say in this text. And, and he says, you know, change your hearts and lives. Change your hearts and lives. So it, it's an important distinction that repentance uh, is understood more as change your hearts and lives. The message puts it like this, God's kingdom is here, change your life and believe the message. Change your hearts and lives, change your life and believe the message. So there's more of an emphasis on uh, transformation, uh, holistic transformation. Um, So repentance, at least the way I grew up thinking about it was more about um, asking for forgiveness, uh, saying you're sorry, or be ash- being ashamed of something uh, that happened or that you did, and trying to then trying to change that or trying to correct behavior, behavior modification in some way. And it's much more all-encompassing for Jesus in this text. Repentance is about a life change. It's about a heart change. It's about a shift in consciousness, a new outlook on life, uh, a new way of living in the world. It's maybe also important to remember, and I think we talked about it last week, that the call to change our hearts and lives, what's translated as repentance, is a plural imperative in the text. It's the work of the community, not the individual. So if we look at the text, it's uh, plural. It's not you should repent, it's we should repent. Uh, We should change our hearts and our lives. Uh, So he's not looking at the individual and saying, change your life. 
um, you know, five steps to a better you. It's the community takes on the work of transformation. The community takes on the work of a shift in consciousness. Uh, one of last week's questions is, what does it look like for the community to follow Christ? And perhaps our question this week is like, uh, what would it look for, like for us to be transformed? Heart, mind, soul. What would it look like for us to be transformed? St. Paul describes this process in Philippians when he writes, uh, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus to, um, to change our mind, to, to put on the mind of Christ. Following uh, in Mark's gospel, we talked last week that um, belief is primarily the word that the author of the gospel of John uses. Following Christ is the emphasis of the author of the gospel of Mark. And following in Mark requires this uh, this change of heart and change of mind. Uh, it requires this transformation by both belovedness and a fierce knowing of calling, which for Jesus happened in his wilderness experience. So Jesus is forged by these two forces and forged into a moment in need of this new mind. And this, this moment, this place is what the text calls the kingdom of God. Uh, it's Kairos time, which is something that we've talked about before. It's time infused with raw intensity and urgent creativity. It's lightning striking. It's, it's, uh, it's epiphany. It's epiphany. Uh, I like author Cynthia Bourgeau, when she talks about the kingdom of God, she says, it's not a place you go to, but a place you come from. The kingdom of God is not a place you go to, but a place you come from. So this is getting at that idea that it's a shift in con consciousness. We, we live from the kingdom of God. We live from this new mind, this new place, uh, this new moment that's infused with this kind of urgent creativity. It's a place we come out of, if that makes sense. Uh, the second part that Jesus... Um, mentions in this, in this text when it comes to adopting a new kind of consciousness or being transformed into a new way of thinking uh, is that it requires trust. Jesus goes out to these four fishermen, Simon, Andrew, James, John, and he lets them know, all right, it's, now's the time. And it's their collective trust that allows them to let go of their nets, their Everything that goes along with that, their, their identities, their, um, their employment, uh, their, uh, e any kind of e what we might call like ego consciousness, uh, they let go of that for a, a, deeper, a deeper consciousness and a, a depth of life that they um, believe that they will have once they, once they follow Jesus into this new journey. So they, they recognize that to face this new journey, they, they have to do it with a level of trust. And Jesus calls them to change and live into the kingdom. Uh, and they realize that this is the call of their lives. So another question maybe for us this morning is, have you ever had a kind of calling? What, what, is your, what, is, what has been a moment of calling for you? What does that feel like? Uh, have you ever had your worldview or your outlook shift underneath you like an unstoppable force. Um, I think there, 
perhaps this requires a level of openness or a trust for this kind of shift to p take place. And sometimes we, we kind of consciously ask for it. I think other, other times it just sort of happens to us. Um, sometimes it's a person like a Christ figure that invites us onto a new plane of existence. Um, sometimes it's a prophet that calls us out. We've talked about that before. Um, that calls us out and beckons us to, to change it up. Uh, I think about John the Baptist being this sort of archetype, calling us out and to change our lives. Um, and these are all different kinds of epiphanies, to be sure. So uh, this kind of openness, this letting go, this shift of our hearts and our minds and our lives, um, uh, it creates a, an exposure for us, and it opens us up to a to maybe a wild world of possibilities, which can be which can be scary, of course. Okay, so I want to briefly close with suggesting what this new consciousness might entail by mentioning the companion text for the lectionary uh, for this week out of Jonah, and the text is Jonah three one through five, and then verse ten. So we're kind of we're like in the middle end of the story here. But I think it's worth reading and then maybe proposing some final thoughts that we can talk about on Sunday morning. Okay, so I'm gonna read this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God, and they proclaimed a fast, and everybody great and small put on sackcloth. Verse 10, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Okay, so we don't really have time to go, obviously, into all the details of the story. We can talk a little bit about it uh, on Sunday. If you have time, it's worth reading. It's like four pages uh, in, in your Bible, or like it could take you 10 minutes to read. It's worth reading the story, but I want to pr propose that this classic narrative of Jonah's calling uh, he flees his call, and he's called, and he goes into a descent wilderness experience, sort of symbolically dies in, in the belly of the fish, and then he gets spit out, his sort of uh, resurrection or return. There's an archetypal pattern for this kind of uh, change in consciousness, or the opportunity for a change in consciousness, um, that it is fascinating how Jonah partakes in this, and God experiences a shift in God's attitude or God's mind. And theologically, I, can, I think this story is important for a lot of reasons, but it's important to remember that Jonah really hates the people of Nineveh and preaches arguably the worst sermon ever, which is just telling them that their city is going to be demolished. But something happens in this moment Anyway, right? He walks across the city, says, God's going to destroy all of you. And I would have to imagine that uh, when he's saying this, he's like relishing in the fact that God is going to uh, demolish the people that he doesn't like. And 
there's a shift that happens to the Ninevites anyway. They collectively hear and believe God. They, they change their hearts and lives. There's this gospel shift for, these, for this group of people. Again, the plural, the collective. It leads, the text says, everyone to change their lives, a new way of being. And this change changes God. This signals an interesting evolution in how we might think about God. Can God change God's mind? And... Right after this, Jonah really hates that God changes God's mind here. Like he's like, we got, we had a deal, and you were supposed to kill all these people. And God's like, there's like a hundred thousand people down there and a bunch of animals. Like, like that, that wouldn't be great. And Jonah does not, he doesn't like this. He has this dialogue with with God, and perhaps this is an appropriate reminder for our times that God loves the people we hate. Right, God loves the people we hate. There's so many people that we would love to to get theirs, right? I've got like a thousand people in my mind right now. <clears throat> after all, uh, you know, after all that Jonah has been through in the book, fleeing, descending, returning. Uh, it's really tragic that he's unable to adopt a new consciousness. You know, God adopts this new consciousness. Uh, God is calling him into something new. And Jonah's angry as the story comes to a close. And I think it's really easy for us to live in our anger or our resentment for the state of our world, for those who are responsible for its inequities, injustices. Um, but we're, in, we're invited to change our hearts and lives in order for the kingdom moment to live from this place, to do its work in us and through us that we remember that the kingdom of God is a place we come from. Uh, we can't muscle it alone through our own uh, judgments and opinions and anxieties. And I think that's often uh, the, tempt the temptation here and perhaps what uh, Jonah is a little bit guilty of. God is on his side. He's got the right answers. He's He's the prophet, he's the preacher, and it just leaves him bitter in the end. Um, so in closing, maybe perhaps the time is now for us to drop our nets, or like Nathaniel, to dro drop our prejudices, uh, to step into the kingdom of God, and to step out of, from the kingdom of God, the kind of fierce love and uh, just maybe, if we're lucky, a new consciousness. Uh, I'll close with a quote from the great Richard Rohr. He writes, Only such a sea change of consciousness, drawing from the depths of a great ocean of love, will bear fruits that will last. 
All right, I think we will leave it there for this week. Uh, if you can, join us on Sundays. We'd love to uh, catch up with you and just talk. We meet at 10 on Zoom. If you don't have the link, feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook at Mission Hills LA. And we're continuing in uh, Native by Caitlin Curtis on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., also on Zoom. So uh, join us, hop in at any time for that. And as always, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Be well.